Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Uh, the last time I was up here preaching was about uh, Peter jumping off the boat into the water, and now I feel like I have jumped off the boat and I'm in the water here, so it's, it's kind of a cool um, thing. So um, I wanted to give the fathers in the room another little gift for Father's Day, um, another Manly Man movie. We've covered Braveheart already, and so have, have y'all seen the movie Taken? So, so Liam Neeson, he plays this retired CIA agent whose daughter gets kidnapped when she's on vacation in Europe and the and he goes through all of this he he leaves a trail of bodies in his wake basically going to rescue her and save her it's a pretty intense movie he takes out basically an entire human trafficking ring and you might be thinking Michael isn't that a little inappropriate for church on Sunday morning um well like Mark mentioned we've been reading the book of Judges and um, that's in the Bible and so uh, it, judges makes Braveheart or Taken look, um, it, it puts them to shame. So anyway, the Bible has got some crazy stuff, but that will make sense here in a minute. Um, Scott has been uh, introduced this new series, This Is Jesus, last week. And we're talking about all these attributes of Jesus. You know, he, he talked about his goodness. Uh, we'll be looking at his grace and his mercy, his justice, his closeness to us as a friend. And uh, today is about his faithfulness. So this is Jesus. He is faithful. When I was thinking about this topic of Jesus' faithfulness and also being on Father's Day, I was trying to think of how, what story might tie the two together of, of faithfulness and a father. And I instantly thought of two things. One was taken. Um, and then also a very similar story is finding Nemo. And I, I just wanted to give the fathers in here. Pastor Jordan can cover finding Nemo with the kids. But for the fathers, I wanted to give you that manly man kind of gift. So, but it really does show how far a father is willing to go uh, for the sake of his child. Um, I was talking to a father in the, the office earlier this week um, whose daughter hasn't been coming to church after her mom had passed away, and it's really tough on him, but he's not giving up on her. I'm sure there's plenty other fathers in this room who are, are constantly praying for their children and not giving up on them, doing everything they can for their kids. And none of us have the perfect father in life, um, and, and only God is truly our perfect father. But, but to all the dads, I do want to say happy Father's Day and, and thank you for what you do. So what does it mean to be faithful? Who is someone in your life that you would consider to be a, a faithful person? And think, why do you see them that way? Or maybe on the, the other side, who is someone you think is unfaithful? And why do you see them that way? It boils down to their word that they give you. Right? If, you, if someone tells you something or that they're going to, to do something, you want to be able to know that they're going to come through. If someone fell through on their word to you before, or maybe you caught them in a lie, you don't feel like you can trust them anymore. Amy and I, with the boys at home, we're, we're training them that, that trust is like a bucket. The more you tell the truth, you're filling up your bucket. But as soon as you tell a lie, it's like emptying out that bucket and, and you're starting all over again. But that faithful person... The, the person that you can depend on, you can count on them. He says he'll be there for you. She says she'll be praying for you. Or they say they're going to be there to help you out with that. And then when it's that person that you know when they, as soon as they give you their word, they're going to come through. It's like gold. It feels like that person is rare these days, though, isn't it? And we've all felt the effects of someone leaving us hanging or someone leaving us in a tough spot because they didn't follow through on their word or confiding in someone only to find out that they, they shared your secret with someone else. 
And if we're honest, in one way or another, we've all gone back on our word for someone else too. So why do we do that? Why, why are we unfaithful? Why is someone unfaithful to their word? Whether it's in a small way, like leaving you hanging for a lunch meeting, or, or the, the biggest thing that you can possibly imagine, and, and it's what instantly came to mind as soon as you hear me say the word, unfaithful. Someone who's unfaithful, they go back on their word, usually it's because they, they couldn't pay the cost of following through with it. It's a, a better opportunity came up, or it's inconvenient, or now all of a sudden it's going to cost me something I wasn't planning on, and the, the price is too high, I can't pay. Or possibly even something outside of, of their control came up, and they're, they left them without any other option. When someone is unfaithful, they either didn't have the commitment, or they didn't have the capability. And this is what we all struggle with. We, we want to be a faithful person, but so often we don't have the commitment or the capability to follow through. And we so desperately want a faithful friend um, who we can count on. But even the best of friends are, are going to let us down sometimes. No one has the, the full commitment and the full capability to be for us 100% of the time. So that's pretty depressing, right? But there's hope. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 10 is where we're going to read today. Um, John chapter 10, Jesus has just healed a man who was born blind. And uh, there's some commotion about it. The religious leaders are not a fan of Jesus, and, but this guy is going and testifying about Jesus and what he did, but they think he's a phony. And this guy's like, no, he's got to be from God because he can heal the blind. And then Jesus starts to tell them this analogy in John chapter 10, uh, this analogy about, about sheep. I'm going to pick up in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. There will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life, so I may take it back up again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also to take it up again, for this is what my father has commanded. So Jesus is talking about two different people here, the unfaithful and the faithful. In verse 12, there's this hired hand who's tending the sheep for the money. And he, he made this commitment to take care of the sheep and to protect them. But what happens when the wolf comes? He's gone, right? He, he says um, it was only about the money. So he's like, nope, th this is going to cost too much now. I wasn't in it for this. Um, I'm not really willing to make that sacrifice. So I'm not going to follow through on my word. He didn't have the commitment. But the good shepherd, what does he do? When the wolf comes and threatens the sheep, he's there for them. He does everything that it takes to protect them. Whatever links necessary, even laying down his own life, he says. That's the kind of commitment that Jesus says he has for us, for you. He's willing to pay the ultimate price. Why, why would a shepherd lay down his life for some sheep? Look at verse, verse 12 and 13. It says, the hired hand, he cares nothing for the sheep because they don't really belong to him. But then verse 14, Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me. He's the good shepherd who cares about us. We belong 
to him. He loves us. He's faithful because he loves us. His love is the deepest commitment that anyone could have for something or someone. He's got the commitment to be faithful. I think a brave heart. You know, William Wallace, he had this deep personal commitment to his country, his people, and their freedom. Right? He refused to ever back down because of that commitment. Jesus is saying that his love and care for us is so deep that he would never back down. No matter what wolves may come, he will stand up for us. He will stand up for us forever, and we are forever his, even if it cost him his life. If you think about it, this, this brings up a problem, though. If the good shepherd lays down his own life for the sheep, well, then the sheep don't have anyone left to protect them. The, the wolf just has free roam of the pasture and can just take the sheep whenever he wants to. It, the sheep are kind of in the same situation as the hired hand who ditched them in the first place, right? William Wallace, he, he had his doubters in Braveheart. You know, they're, I'm not going to do the Scottish accent again. You got enough of that. But they're, they're like, William, yeah, that, that's great. But um, there's no way you're capable of taking on the whole English army. Like, you may willingly give up your life for the sake of our freedom. But what good does that do if, if you die and we still lose? This is why I wanted to refer to uh, Taken um, for, for this analogy, for a fuller picture of Jesus' faithfulness. Brian Mills is the guy's name that we watched the clip of. And he says in the speech on the phone, he says, I have a very particular set of skills. He's not only committed to his daughter, even willing to lay his life up for her, but he's also capable. He has the required skills to follow through. He has the commitment and the capability. So the whole rest of that movie is him proving his commitment and his skills to take care of business. Uh, the bad guy on the phone, he says, good luck at the end of that because he thinks that Brian Mills is, is lying. But then he finds out the hard way two days later that he very much was not lying. He was telling the truth. And Jesus does the same for us. He solves this problem for us. Yes, if he lays his life down, then the sheep are vulnerable to the wolf. But look at verse 17. He says, I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. I have the authority to lay it down and to take it back up again. So he's not getting killed. The wolf doesn't kill him. He lays his life down by his own authority. It's not like he isn't strong enough to take on the wolf. The wolf does not win here. It's not like Jesus is committed to us, but then he doesn't have the power to follow through, and, and so he dies, and, and we're still left in our, in our sin and death and in danger. No, Jesus is faithful, and he's God. He's got the authority and the power, that particular set of skills, to take care of business. What's really cool in this passage that I learned studying this is that Jesus isn't just making an analogy on the spot like he does with the parables a lot of times, and that's great, but he's making a very specific reference in this passage that the Pharisees would instantly recognize from the Old Testament. It's Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel 34, verse 1, God tells Ezekiel to go and prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So he was supposed to go and tell the, the shepherds these leaders of Israel were corrupt. And he's supposed to tell them that they're lousy shepherds that weren't taking care of the flock, Israel, God's people. They haven't been fed. They've been scattered outside the pasture. The beasts are attacking them. There's basically no flock even left. And God has a really harsh word for those lousy leaders of Israel. And then in verse 11 of Ezekiel 34, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep, I will rescue them. 
In verse 15, God says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. So God himself is going to be the shepherd of Israel. And then here in John, that's what Jesus is drawing on when he says, I'm the good shepherd and I have the authority to take my life back up. That's Jesus saying, here I am. I'm God, here to be the good shepherd for Israel. I have the authority to take my life back up because I'm God. He's saying he's the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to Israel back in Ezekiel chapter 34. There's, there's so many references like this in the book of John that I just love, of, of Jesus pointing to his divinity. So as God, he has the power to, to fight the wolf and to take care of the sheep. So for him to be faithful, Jesus not only has the commitment, he also has the capability. And you might think, like, wait, if he's God, then it's kind of an empty faithfulness because he doesn't actually pay the price. He can't lose anything. It doesn't really cost God anything. He never has to sacrifice anything to stay committed to us. So we can't know that he truly cares about us that much. There's no way for him to really prove his commitment if he can't lose anything. But here's the amazing thing about God. He allowed himself to be hurt. He allowed himself to pay the price for true faithfulness. He wasn't just God. Jesus was also human. Looking back at Ezekiel 34, later in verse 23, God tells them, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. This was probably kind of confusing for Israel back then because it's like God says, I'm going to be the shepherd of Israel, and then he turns around and says, actually, it's going to be the Messiah from the line of David who's going to be their shepherd. So which one is it? Is it God or is it the Messiah, the human? Well, the answer is both. The answer is Jesus. God is here to be the good shepherd of Israel, and he's here in the form of a human from the line of David to be their Messiah. He fulfills both as God and man. So as God, Jesus has the capability, the, the particular set of skills to fight the wolf. And as man, Jesus has the ability to suffer and lay his life down for us. He allowed himself to be limited and feel pain and, and suffer death to pay that price for the ultimate faithfulness, to show his commitment. Just in case we ever thought that he was bluffing, that he wouldn't actually pay that ultimate price, he went ahead and did it. He didn't just talk the talk. He laid his life down. And then he took it back up again to prove his power and authority over death. Jesus rose from the grave to show his ultimate power and authority over the biggest enemy that we all face. He has forever proven that he is the good shepherd who not only loves us and is committed to us enough to lay his life down, but he's capable enough to save himself and us from death. So Jesus is fully committed to us and capable enough to follow through. That's the, the main truth that we get from the scripture today about Jesus' faithfulness, is that Jesus is fully committed to us and capable enough to follow through. And so what? What does this mean? Jesus is faithful. What's the, what difference does that make in our lives? Number one, the biggest difference that this makes is how we relate to God's promises. Scott last week said that, that how we view Jesus affects how we relate to him. Amen. Jesus' faithfulness, it frees us to trust God's promises. He has proven himself faithful, so now we can confidently take him at his word. Every bit of it. Like any promise God gives you, you 100% can count on it. You can take it to the bank. Do I have any financial nerds in here? Anybody been watching the stock market? Uh, it's been pretty crazy, right? So what, what is a financial advisor? What's the first thing they're going to tell you about investing in the stock market? Past performance does not 
I know you're, you're thinking of it. Past performance does not guarantee future results or something like that, right? Well, wrong. Well, it's definitely right for the stock market. It's, it's crazy, right? But with Jesus, it is the opposite. With Jesus, his past performance absolutely does guarantee future results. Jesus proved once and for all that he is absolutely committed to us when he gave his life up. He proved that God's word never returns empty. He's going to follow through. You may look back on moments of your life and feel like Jesus wasn't committed to you or that he tried to be faithful and he wasn't powerful enough to to take care of it. But that's just our limited understanding. No matter what ups and downs that our life has, we all have the gospel to look to. Jesus gave his life up for each and every one of us and then he, by his power, defeated death so that he can defeat death in us. So I can, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, I can stand on God's promises. 100%, I know that in his perfect timing, he's going to come through for me. But those circumstances can look pretty big sometimes, right? Like, I, I struggle with fear. That bill is really, really big. Or that doctor's report is really bad. That relationship in my life is really at rock bottom. I really don't know what's going to happen if I talk to them about Jesus. Like, I can't help but get scared sometimes. Fear sets in. I'm sure David felt that way in the Old Testament a lot in his life. The, the same guy that killed Goliath. He's like the perfect picture of faith and trusting God, right? Well, he later on got hunted down by the current king of Israel who was jealous of him. And so David was on the run from the most powerful man in the country with all the resources at his disposal focused on finding and killing David. So he found himself running all over the place trying to hide. And he wound up in a place called Gath. And David was afraid of the leader of the Philistines where he wrote Psalm 56. And in verse 3 and 4, he says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? In verse 9 and 11, This I know, that God is for me. What can man do to me? David was confident in God's past performance. He, he saved him in the past, and even here and now, where he was afraid, he knew that God would come through. He didn't know what it would look like, but he knew that fear couldn't keep a hold of him because God's faithfulness freed him from fear. What can man do to me? Robert Morris, uh, he puts it this way. He says, when something happens in your life, you judge God faithful or you judge God unfaithful. Hebrews 11.11 says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged God full of trust or trustworthy. She judged him faithful. Fear is judging God unfaithful. And faith is judging God faithful. So think about it. God has shown the ultimate act of faithfulness in the resurrection of Jesus. He is fully capable and he's on our side. He is committed to us. That is huge. Brian, I'm, I'm sure Brian Mill's daughter in Taken, after he had everything he had gone to, the faithfulness that he showed to her and the skills that he showed, I'm sure she is like, oh, bad guys, y'all can, y'all can come at me all you want. I've got my dad on my side. You can't do it. Did you see what he did to the last guys? Um, there was a Taken 2 and 3, so maybe she did that and went up in more trouble, but I'm not sure. I didn't actually watch those. But um, that's how we should be with Jesus. Jesus' faithfulness frees us 
from fear. We just uh, sang a song about standing in your love and our fear doesn't stand a chance. What can man do to me? I've got Jesus on my side. Death can't hold him. He's too powerful and he's committed to me. He's my shepherd. He cares about me enough to die for me. And so we take God at his word. When he makes you a promise, you can stand confident on it, knowing that he's committed to you and he's capable to make it happen. So one thing, one thing worth mentioning is uh, we, we've got to know what Jesus' promises actually are. We stand on his promise. We need to know what it, what it is. Sometimes we might be standing on an empty promise that God didn't actually make to us. We just assume we automatically know what his promises are without even reading the Bible. We could spend a whole week here about like, how to interpret the Bible and which promises, maybe in the Old Testament given to Israel and how that applies to us now through Jesus. But the main point is, is we need to be reading God's word. And we need to do that in the context of community. Um, you know, we're, we're better together in small, caring communities. That's why life groups and life studies are so important so we can be sharpening each other in reading God's word together. We can't stand on God's promises if we don't know what they are. And so I want to share some uh, with you, some of my favorite of God's promises from his word uh, that I stand on. I encourage you to share some of yours with your family, with your life groups, so we can be encouraged by each other. Here's some of mine. Romans 8.28 is that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God have been called according to his purpose. This is my absolute favorite promise. Because of Jesus, I can trust that he's working everything for my good. I may not see it now, but then there's also another promise in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, where Paul says, I don't see everything perfectly now. It's like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, at the end, I will see everything clearly just as, as God knows me fully. So even if we don't know, we don't see now how God is working it for good, there's that promise that we will um, in the end. Here's some more. 1 John 1, 9, promise. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us. Yeah and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. John 10, 10. This is the verse right before where we started today. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and give it abundantly. Amen. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I, I love that one that, that I don't have to fear God anymore. Any judgment or, or wrath from God on sin that was already um, taken care of by Jesus. The judgment happened to him. And now I can um, come boldly to the throne of God. Whether right now when I pray or in the future when I see God face to face, I can be bold and confident because of what Jesus did for me. A few more, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Romans 8, verse 1. Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Amen. Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That the temptations we face are common to all men. But God is faithful. When you're tempted, you will be given a way out so you can stand up under it. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. You know, it's a, it's a, we usually think of it as a command. There's actually a huge promise in here when he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. And behold, I am with you always, Amen. even to the end of the age. Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Yes. 
There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Those things are gone forever. Those are some awesome promises, and there's so many more. For the most part, most of those promises are, are for the believer, those who have already put their faith in Jesus. But there's one big promise for those who are still on the outside, who haven't put their faith in Jesus. You're still lost in your sin, going against God. It's Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, yes, Jesus' faithfulness frees us from fear. We can stand on these promises and take them to the bank. There's also another application here, is that Jesus' faithfulness, it frees us to obedience. Because of his faithfulness, because he's fully committed to us and capable and he proved it, we should be motivated to trust him and obey him. This really is, is one and the same thing. He frees us to trust him at his word, which is also trusting him to obey him at his word. To keep going back to the uh, Taken analogy, I, I rewatched that movie this week, and it, it really is, is such a good pointer to the gospel in so many ways. Um, what do you think would happen if Brian Mills, if his daughter, after everything he had gone through and whatnot, um, all the faithfulness he had shown her, and he says, okay, now, now darling, I, I want you to listen to me. You don't ever have to deal with that again if you'll just listen to me and I will take care of you. And then she's like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go do my own thing again. <laughs> like, like, how stupid would that be? First of all, um, he would go through all of it again because he's faithful, right? And he proved it. And, and he would absolutely do it all over again to rescue her. But she shouldn't have to go through all that. And yet, how often are we like that with Jesus? The good shepherd, he leaves the 99. That's another passage where he, he makes a, the sheep comparison. He leaves the 99 to come and find you and your wandering. He protects you from the wolf. He goes to these extraordinary lengths to get you back, even giving up his own life. And then you go right back to your old ways that got you there in the first place. It makes me think of a uh, sheep that I saw in a video going around lately. You might, you might recognize this. Y'all watch this video of this sheep. <laughs> If you can't tell, it's a sheep stuck in that crack right there. There we go. I love it. <laughs> that is why sheep have the reputation that they do. <laughs> so that is us. That is us. I wonder how often God is just, just face palming in heaven, in heaven, looking at me in my ways sometimes. And yet he is so faithful. He's so faithful to come and get me out every time. If we would just listen to him, though, trusting him at his word means also obeying him. Read Hebrews 11 sometime. It's called the, the Faith Hall of Fame. Um, it's all about faith and, and what it looks like to really trust God. It's not just saying you believe God. It's carried out in action. It's active trust in God's promises. Jesus doesn't give us promises just to make us feel good and comfort us. It's because he's calling us to do something. And that, some, that something is usually difficult, where we can't rely on our own power, where it's scary, where man might try to do something to me, where it won't be comfortable. That's why he gives us his promises to encourage us to follow through and obey him. 
God has an awesome purpose for each and every one of us as we live life on mission for him. But it takes faith and trusting in that he's going to be there for us when it gets tough. I want you to try something the next time that fear is talking to you when you're tempted not to obey what God is calling you to do. Try the phrase that David used, what can man do to me? What can man do to me? This can apply to, to everything. It's like asking, what's, what's actually the worst that could happen here? It's recognizing that in light of Jesus' faithfulness and God's promises, I might have to endure some hard stuff, but I'm going to be all right. I just got to remember Jesus wins. So when God calls you to do something and the fear starts talking, try this. Like, like sure, it might be uncomfortable to give generously even when it hurts, but what can man do to me? I'm going to be all right. It might feel awkward to talk to that friend or that family member about Jesus, but what can man do to me? I'm going to be all right. It might not be fun to, to genuinely open up to my life group and share what's really going on in my life, but what can man do to me? I'm going to be all right. It might feel like moving an entire mountain to pray out loud in front of another human being. But what can man do to me? I'm going to be all right. It might feel risky to, to cut myself out of a conversation that's turned into gossip, and, and it might be awkward. They're, they uh, think I'm judging them or something, but what can man do to me? I'm going to be all right. It might be hard to stay faithful and true to your word since Jesus has been faithful to you and calls you to do the same even when it might cost you something. But what can man do to me? It's going to be all right. And that, that last, that's the last point I want to make real quick, is that Jesus calls us, us to be faithful now. He's been faithful to us, so now we're called to be faithful to our word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't, don't fall into gossip. When someone tells you something in confidence, honor that. Think carefully about the things that, that you say and mean what you say. Let, let's stay true to our word since Jesus stayed true to his. And I know that's hard. It's impossible, actually. And that's why Jesus gives us his spirit to empower us. He empowers us to remain faithful. We can't do it on our own. So lean more into the Holy Spirit. Don't just try harder. And so what are you going to do? We all have a, a choice to make. We have a judgment to make. Is Jesus faithful? So will I trust and obey him? Or is he unfaithful and, and, um, or, and I'll, I'll be in fear judging him unfaithful? Maybe for some of you, you've never actually put your faith in Jesus. If you didn't catch it already, let me tell you about him. He's the good shepherd. He said he would lay his life down for you. He said he would take it back up again. And then he did it. He died on the cross for your sins and then he came back to life. Some might call it reckless, but that's what, what he did for you. And, and he has the power to defeat sin and death in you if you will just put your faith in him. Give it up to Jesus. Surrender to him and put your trust in him. That's what he calls you to do. Um, come and find me. Find another pastor. Talk to a Christian friend. We would love to tell you about what faith and life in Jesus looks like. And so for the rest of us, what are you clinging to? What area of your life are you not trusting him in? What promises are you forgetting? Are you forgetting the power that Jesus has over all of our enemies? Turn that over to him. Be encouraged by his faithfulness. He was willing to leave the 99 to come for you. He cares about you. He's the good shepherd. So be encouraged. And be encouraged to obey him. Whatever he's calling you to, it, it might not be comfortable. It may even be dangerous. But trust him that it's going to be all right. I want to finish with a little exercise. Everybody close your eyes, and I'm going to read to you the passage again. 
but we're going to make it personal. I encourage you to try this on your own time sometime, uh, plugging your own name in here and, and what Jesus says. But for now, I'm just going to say you. Uh, but this is super encouraging to hear what Jesus says to you. By faith, you've been made a, a sheep. And so he says this to you, to every one of his sheep. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for you. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon you because you don't belong to him and he isn't your shepherd. And so the wolf attacks you and scatters you. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about you. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own. I know you. You belong to me. And you know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I lay my life down for you. Be encouraged by that this morning. And let's stand and let's sing. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.